listening to Hard Truth. Today I'm joined by Serena Wren, who is a photographer, model, avid gamer, and advocate for women's rights. And of course, I must add, ex-professional dominatrix. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for allowing me to be on today. Of course. It's an exciting episode for me to have a, a little bit of a break from the, uh, you know, the pandemic and depressing topics that we all are running into right now. Um, so this is something I'm excited to hear about and talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a different flip on topics for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So for the listeners out there who are not familiar with what a professional dominatrix is, how would you describe it? So um, a professional dominatrix would be a woman in a dominant role um, that gets paid um, to perform a service. Um, now that service does tie to the fetish um, category, so usually with BDSM, um, dominance and submission. Um, so they would be performing services. I don't know, I would kind of like relate it like as like a dentist, but it's just a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good definition for it. Um, you know, and of course, if you want to look it up, the, the actual definition is pretty much what you just said. It's a dominating woman, uh, one who takes the sadistic role or sadomasochist uh, role in some situations, but not always in that direction. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Perfect. Um, so when did you become a dominatrix and did you sort of just fall into that or discover that you enjoyed it if you did I'm hoping you did <laughs> um so a lot of my I guess I always say my learning years was before I went pro was all online um, and during that time I was I guess testing the waters, you know, trying to see if, you know, if it was, if it was really, you know, just a phase or if it was actually who I was. Um, I was um, not in the best relationship at the time. Um, it was quite abusive. And I think I just kind of reflected um, all the trauma and I was just like screw it I'm not gonna be treated like that anymore and it just kind of led to like a whole change of perception of the way I hold myself how I carry myself um, how I felt like I should be deserved to be treated and I started seeking people out that actually agreed with me um, and so a lot of it started off with online and then that wasn't enough um, and then eventually, when it wasn't enough, I started outsourcing ideas of like going to dungeons and meeting people um, at hotels and exchanging services. Um, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it was kind of therapeutic for you in a way. Um, yes, I. If I look back at all the years. Um, I don't regret any of it. Um, I can't regret any of it because it makes me who I am today. Um, were all my choices the most um, 
Uh, how would you say? I mean, we're all young at one point, so we all make mistakes. Um, do I regret my choices? No. Um, it literally has built me to be the strong, resilient woman that I am today, and I don't see me ever regretting those choices. I, I, I'm, I'm proud of who I became from it. Um, yeah, I would be too. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've dabbled in the fetish community um, on and off in my lifetime, and I can definitely say that whenever you're put into a dominant role like that, even if it's just in the bedroom and your relationship, it does kind of force you to see yourself differently and carry yourself differently. Um, because if the confidence isn't there or you can't muster it up, then it doesn't, you don't really sell it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eventually it just became to the point that online was, it wasn't, wasn't real enough. It wasn't, I wanted 24 seven. Like I, I wasn't getting what I wanted. It wasn't, I guess, scratching the itch that I really had. Um, and I think I probably was doing a couple years online. Um, if I really think about how old I was, I probably was, oh, uh, 1920. I'm, I'm 27, so. <laughs> um, I started pretty young um, in the, I guess, the fetish community. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. I did too, actually. I was, um, I was, well, I can't say I was a member of a fetish club that's in Nashville. You may even know it. Um, yes, the Mark. I, I wasn't a member, but I was, um, I can't remember his name. It's been so long. I'm 30 now, and this was when I was 19. Um, but I was brought in for one of the, I think, owners. Um, as his submissive and plaything basically put on display. So um, I know from the other uh, <laughs> side. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. So um, I got to see and experience a lot of things um, from both sides of it. You know, obviously dominating wasn't ever really my thing, but it, it really opens your eyes to the openness of that kind of community. Um, because there's a lot of trust oh, that yeah. has to be there. <laughs> oh yeah, you have to have loads of trust. I mean, sometimes you're putting people in situations that, is it sane for you or is it sane for someone else? So like that comes down to some people may think that that's like, you know, oh, I couldn't do that. But someone else, they may have no you know issues doing something that might be not sane for them. So it, it does, does involve a bukus of trust, like tons of trust. Um, I mean, right. especially if you're like doing rope play or anything like that with suspension and impact play, you have to know like where you're going to um, make sure the hit hits and you don't want to hit like major organs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, that's a, that's a whole nother aspect of it. If you, um, if you just take the trust away entirely, you still have to kind of learn and know what you're doing. Um, you have to learn, if you're being a submissive, you have to learn how to trust the person uh, and let them do um, what they're going to do and trust that they know how to do it. So if you're dominating, you have to know what you're doing too. Um, can't dive in too deep. You can't dive in uh, until you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long did you 
Once you became kind of more professional and, and took it offline, how long did you do that? Um, probably, I'm trying to think. Um, so I met my husband in 2014. I probably was doing it professionally for around two years. Um, it was... I, I was, I don't know how to explain it exactly. I was looking for something and um, I guess I thought that my look was going to be a submissive when I found it. <laughs> um, but I did not. I did not find a submissive. I actually found, I don't even know what we actually are. Um, I guess me and him are just considered evolving. Like we just are compatible um, in the lifestyle, outside the lifestyle. Um, but I was doing it for a good steady two years. Um, I was going to school too, so it was kind of like um, when I was not taking care of homework, I was doing that. Um, so it was just uh, another way of I guess bringing in income, but also trying to figure out who I was. Um, I mean, everyone tried to go through that self-exploratory stage when they're, when they're um, I guess, a teenager and stuff like that, but I never really got to experience those things. Um, and I guess when I turned 18, uh, being in that abusive relationship, it just changed my whole mindset. I was done being treated like a welcome mat. I was done being um, pushed around and all sorts of stuff and lied to and dealt with alcohol abuse and gambling problems. It's just like, why would why would someone want to have to settle for something like that when I knew there were people out there that would kiss the ground that I would walk on and, and, and literally worship me? Why, why would I want to settle for because <laughs> it was, it was, it was a big, big settle, and I don't think anyone should have to settle. <laughs> no, not at all, and unfortunately a lot of people do, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of beautiful. I mean, I know a lot of people who are outside of the lifestyle, or maybe even that were never exposed to it at all. This is going to be brand new to those people, but it, it is beautiful for someone to explore who they are and learn who they are and especially figure out their power as a woman and not to or as a man you know it yeah. doesn't really matter who you are figuring out your power and not letting someone walk all over you however you figure that out is is beautiful it's a beautiful thing to watch and it's a it's an inspiring thing to know someone who's been through that after they came out on the other side yeah it's yeah, I mean, some people, you know, they choose to stay with, um, you know, I was, I was actually engaged to that person, and luckily I never actually <laughs> got married, thank God, <laughs> if there's a God out there, but, um, um, no, <laughs> I, I'm happy that I went through those stages in my life, um, and they're like stepping stones. Um, I wouldn't say that they're like, oh, I just want to like forget about them because they're 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 not they're memories that 
if I look back, yeah, there are some that were very traumatic, but then I turned that trauma into, into, I guess, like a positive way. Um, it made me think about getting into, um, being a sex therapist, but I decided not to go that route with school because that was just going to take so much years of college and I was not going to go in debt, (laughs) um, for that. So I ended up, uh, I guess ended up found my other passion, which was photography. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, uh, a little, um, off track here but it just reminded me have you watched that netflix show sex education <laughs> um yes i did um i watched that um that one i loved a lot there's another one it was a couple i think it came out in 2019 it's called bondage. bondage yeah or, yeah bonding bondage something like that yeah um, yes. when that came out my husband was like oh you're gonna love that and i was and it was only like six episodes i was so like you can't just give us six episodes and then be like oh okay that's it <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> we spent it in one night, and yes. I, I was, I just brought that up with, uh, with Jared the other day, just asking, you know, when, when is that coming out again? Do you know yeah. if they canceled that? <laughs> yeah, I hope they didn't cancel that. Um, no, I, I was really pleased to actually see um, mainstream media actually push um, that type of role. Um, I mean, they had no problem pushing a Fifty Shades of Grey out. Um, it's amazing. Which wasn't really that accurate. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely not hold Fifty Shades of Grey to, like, the uh, bar level of BDSM. Um, but if you were wanting to get the idea of what it is, um, most people know about it through <laughs> that book. I, uh, I have way more better smut than that. <laughs> <laughs> right, so if you want an entry-level... Uh, it, well, an introduction into what bondage could be like. Watch Fifty Shades of Grey. But if you want to just get right into the thick of it, you need to turn on bondage. Yeah. And maybe follow that up with sex education. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Um, um, how hard is it to, to make a living doing something like that? I mean, um, I can imagine you make good money, but I also imagine that there's a lot of people who aren't willing to pay what it's worth. So, um, I did more online, um, with, with pay. Um, I did do, I did do some that was strictly like, um, impact play and stuff like that. I had a, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I had, a. I had a person that uh, had a career field that ended up um, was very, I guess they were around a lot of traumatic instances and um, it was just carthoretic for them to feel pain. And I am a sadist, no doubt. I am a hundred percent sadist. Um, I like hurting people in, in, in a consensual way. Um, and. So actually seeing that what I was doing was helping them, um, it wasn't always about money. The money helped. Uh, it you know sometimes made it worth it. But I was I was more into it because it was who I was. Um, I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it. Like it's not like oh you know I'm just dressing up in a costume and acting it 
No, it was it was real um, and a hundred percent real. And seeing how they their bodies would respond, and uh, sometimes you know uh, they would cry or you know they they would thank you afterwards. You know um, the sense of admiration that they would get from it it was authentic it wasn't it wasn't fake mm-hmm. um, so yes you can make income from it um would i would i go and do it full-time um probably not in the uh, uh area location i am at um, but i wasn't really trying to advertise like um i didn't want yes because to me it was more of i had so many people that wanted to be my toy or plaything or and it just became like okay well there's too many to keep track of <laughs> um at, at some point so it was it was better for me to I was going to school so you know I didn't they want to be they want to fall behind behind classes um but the income did help um it did keep me in a, I was, I mean, like I said, I was in an abusive relationship during this time. Um, and he would, he would wipe out our bank accounts going gambling and the money that I made doing the dominatrix. Um, it would, it would keep us stable and he wouldn't know how we would be paying bills and stuff like that, but it was taken care of because I was having to take care of it, you know? <laughs> I know that feeling so so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that one out because um, I don't want to air dirty laundry. Um, oh, no, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know exactly how it feels to be the one that's uh, picking up the slack uh, monetarily and and maybe even just like just general adulting mm-hmm. um, in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I way back when. Um, I was obviously, you know, dabbling in the fetish life. I was modeling. I was also a cam girl at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of been in different areas where you can make money and then also just enjoying it and enjoying yourself and getting into the lifestyle. So even as just a model, um, even if you're just doing fashion modeling, there are so many creepy situations that I got put into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't even imagine what you encountered. Um, did did you? What sort of precautions did you take, or did you know them pretty well before you tried to meet them in person? Um, so I I had a friend. Um, we we. I know his real name, but I haven't talked to him in years, but we can go by his nickname that I named him back then. Um, and his name was runner. Um, he kind of was like my, uh, (laughs) self-conscious, but he was my friend. Um, so (laughs) he knew that I tended to get carried away sometimes. Um, because I, I guess I was just, you know, there was so much going on. I was, Getting, it was it's like it was like an adrenaline rush it was like every week something would be different and and I couldn't I just couldn't keep up with it with how how much tension I was getting um or 
or how many people that would want to meet. And he kind of helped me keep a more uh, precautionary approach on it. Um, I did meet um, submissives off of different websites. I don't even know if they have them anymore. Um, I know FetLife was one. It's a big one. Um, but yeah, that's them- how I made it to the mark. Yeah. <laughs> FetLife. Um, most of the people I think I met was either off FetLife or I think there was this other one called Caller Me. I don't even know if it's still a website or not. Um, like I said, I, 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 <laughs> I'm not searching. Um, Been a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actively searching for that. I mean, I am on FetLife. I'm just not on Caller Me. Um, but so I, I would screen them. Now, if I look back at how I am today and how I've gone through modeling and all the precautionary steps, I probably should have been a little bit more thorough. Um, But I was pretty thorough. Like if I felt like they weren't responding fast enough to me, I mean, I I was a total bitch. But they asked for it. Like they they liked that, though. That was the irony of it. They actually enjoyed that. Yeah, so, I was about to say, some of them ask for the bitch to yeah, come out. Yeah, so they do. Um, <laughs> I'm not really good on the whole humiliation because to me, like, I I was always constantly degraded as a trauma thing. So it was really hard for me to wrap my head around of uh, treating them like, um, like degrading them. I always valued their act of submission because it's like – I they're giving it to me willingly. Um, so I couldn't, humiliation was a hard thing for me to actually enjoy. Um, and so that's where I figured out that I was more of a sadist than actually a dom. I mean, I do like dominating people and most of a lot of the sadist, sadistic roles I am, I am typically in a dominant role, but I felt like I was more leading to a sadist than just, a dominatrix because I know some dominatrix they have no problem talking shit treating them calling them pigs you know telling them they're worthless things like that and that's cool I get it people like that go for it I have no problem with that I just could not do that um it killed me wanting to to, to devalue someone's submission I couldn't do it um so I, I found people that were more similar to what I was looking for. I didn't, if they were into that, I just, I, I would, you know, we're not in the same levels. We're not looking for the same thing. It wasn't worth my time. So I, I was looking for specific people um, for outside stuff. Um, and most of it was just learning if I could actually even, if it was real. Like, you know, after a while you do it so much online it's like, well, how do you know if you're really, you know, you're just a person behind the internet. When I started doing it in real life, it, it was like, okay, so this isn't, this isn't fake. This, the, these, all these emotions that I feel, the way that my, how my body would respond, how I would have goosebumps, like, it, it just, it was, it was authentic. It, like, I kept hearing people when I was going through this or after it. Um, people would always say, oh, it was just a phase, you'll outgrow it, you know. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a phase. Um, I don't know. No. It's, it's not a phase. <laughs> I will say that. It's <laughs> not a phase. Yeah. When you, yeah. I mean, a lot of people try to say that. And 
Um, for some, it might be. It might be a literal just exploration phase. And that's cool. And, I mean, yeah. I'm cool for exploring. Um, that There's no judgment there on that. Mm-hmm. So, but, I think everyone should do it, actually, but yeah. at least once. Explore and try some things, and maybe you'll find something you like that you didn't know you liked. <laughs> yeah. But back to how you said, uh, how did I make precautionary steps? Um, I would meet them in a public setting at first. I always would. So sometimes they would take me out to dinner and they'd pay for the meal. <laughs> um, or they'd mm-hmm. buy, we'd go shopping and they'd buy me something. Um, and it would be multiple times. Um, and then after, after that, um, the people that I did meet, they, they were very, you know, one, there was no money. Well, I can't say there was no money involved. It was not like I did. I wasn't his dominatrix. Like I looked at being his. Um, like I wanted to own him. It was different. Um, so the money. You're there, a mistress. Yeah, the money there was more like I didn't ask for it. I didn't want his money because I actually liked him. Um, and so I met him differently than most subs that I had met as a dominatrix. So there was a lot of different roles that I had played. Yeah, I was a dominatrix some, some I was a mistress, some I was just only online. Um, So it was kind of like learning which one really was me, and they kind of all blended in. Um, I did have one situation where – there, like I, I knew deep down, like, you know, when you always trust your gut, like, you know, you're supposed to trust that feeling in your stomach. Like, you know, it, you know, it. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I knew it. Um, he just kept being really pushy yeah. on, on, me, on meeting. <laughs> and to me, it's like, fuck you, bro. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to cuss, but, um, That's fine. <laughs> um seriously though, he, the pushiness, was way it was just red flags and looking back now I should have just been like no and I did I was I said no so many times um but we met we met at it was a fucking IHOP and I was like okay <laughs> and like I was having to do homework so I was pissed I was so pissed like he had ruined my time eating <laughs> um and I was doing homework I was drinking coffee and he drove I think an hour out of his way to meet. And this was just to even just talk. Like I couldn't, I, I just didn't even, even want to think about actually setting a, a, an appointment or anything like that. And I, I carried pepper spray with me back then, which I'm so glad I did. But uh, like, I don't remember like some parts. I, it's been a couple years. I've slept since then, but I remember going into his car, but I don't remember like why exactly um Mm -hmm. and I think he asked me if I would like give him oral and I was like no that's not my services and he's like oh and I'm like no that's not why we're even here for so you're obviously like miss you're not even understanding what I am like I think he was just looking to meet someone off the internet and I was like that's not what I am I don't think you keep understanding and I mean, I, I got to go out of his car freely. Like, he didn't hold me against my will or anything like that. But just people, like, showing up with false pretenses was very – that 
really rubbed me wrong um, because I it was authentic to me. It was real to me. Why waste my time? My time was valuable and you're wasting it. And I could be doing something that was m more important, obviously, than going to IHOP and going in your car talking about your oral problem that you have. Like, good grip, bro. Um, you should be <laughs> talking about how you should be helping me out. Like, I'm not going to help you out. Get out of here. Um, right. <laughs> um, but that probably was the most um, iffy situation that I got myself into um, that I felt uncomfortable with, um, which I, I would say I'm pretty damn blessed for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super um, lucky. Yeah. Super I mean, lucky. Looking back, my husband, he said I, if I probably had continued on with the way that I had gone, um, I could have ended up being dead, which was not my goal at all. Um, I, I obviously from that incident, I got a lot more stricter. Like I was, I was, I was, I upped my prices. I changed the way thing. Like I was, it was, it was way different. Like they would have to, you know, the way that he communicated it was just so hastily and rushed. And in the other people that I'd met, they respected my time. They respected my boundaries. Um, you know, it was well brought out communication. Um, I knew their real names. Um, I had their addresses, um, things like that. So, you know, I wasn't, it got, it got, you get, after a while, you, you learn from your mistakes. And I did learn from that mistake. Um, and I, after that, I actually even started getting more stricter on myself, um, like even in modeling. Like I, I do professional modeling to date. Um, like, and a lot of it is, 95% of it is nudes. Like I do a lot of artistic nudes. And so going into photographers, like you said, as a model yourself, that you, you could have gotten in, in situations. Um yeah, and I did. I think I actually, yeah. I I can remember quite a few situations that were pretty scary. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're you're lucky. And mine, just like you said, the whole reason I ended up in those situations is because I wasn't taking the proper precautions. Um, and eventually, I did start having a bodyguard with me for the first time I shot with somebody yeah. um, because I liked shooting with the same person more than once because then you get to revisit the creativity or whatever your end goal or result was and try again or uh, let it evolve. And um, there was actually a couple of situations where I'm not sure where I would have ended up had I not had a bodyguard with me. Mm -hmm. um, and then there were some other situations where for whatever reason I didn't bring one and I'm amazed I got out of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm shocked actually that that's the only situation that you felt, um, yeah, like things could have easily gone wrong. So you were obviously doing something right, or you <laughs> just got really lucky. <laughs> I mean, I I also haven't had that bad luck with modeling. Again, I am a no bullshit type of person. Um, I, I will call it out typically. Now, I wish I was always like that, though. Um, there are some settings um, that I have been caught in a, like a deer light situation, but that's like more in personal life. And it's like, uh, you, you know, it's like 
you're supposed to say something, but you just can't and you're like, can't speak. Well, I've had that um, happen recently. Um, but um, in modeling, no, I haven't actually had bad issues. I've had one photographer that I actually had shot with him multiple times. And I kept, I even brought my husband with me and he was there and we shot outside. Outside shoot went okay. We did a second shoot. It was just a boudoir shoot, clothes on. Um, I was by myself. Okay, fine. And then the last shoot was full nudity. And I was like, okay. And then at the end, like he, he, he put his hand on my foot. And I was like, don't do that. I said, if you need me to move, don't touch me. I will move myself. And then he said, oh, okay. And then he like backed off. But then at the end of the shoot, and I, I got a, uh, I think it was an email or something like that. Or maybe it was like a month later. He said he was looking for actual sex. And I was like, yo, like I, I have literally wrote multiple times in the emails and correspondence that I am only an artistic model. This is all I do. I'm married. I'm not looking for anything else. These are all my rights. This is the only things that I will do. Like I'll list my limits. I'll tell them what I'm not willing to do. And I've told them I will walk out of a shoot. I have no problem. My life is more, more valuable than, than the money that I'll make. It's not, it is. Exactly. And so to me in that type of situations, it's better to um, walk away. And I have, yeah. I have showed up to shoots and I've read model releases in the way that they had presented the model release to me first before I shot, which was kind of like, okay, well, I don't even know what we shot yet. So I don't know if I want to sign this. And it just kind of rubbed me raw. Like, I don't have a problem signing a release after I shot, but we haven't even taken any photos. Like, give, give me – it just came off a little wrong to me. And I walked away from that shoot, too. And I had actually later on heard some issues from other people who had modeled with them. And I was like, you know what? I'm glad I, I, I walked away. You know, there are some times that it's just not worth the money. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to actually be in touch with the, the network or the community for uh, models and photographers in your area or wherever you're shooting, which is really difficult. I don't know if your experience is similar to mine, but it's like, it's a super dramatic community because creatives are very dramatic. Yes, <laughs> and so, yeah. It definitely is um, a lot of um, drama, I will say. For sure. <laughs> I try to stay away from all that drama. Um, which I think I, I have done an okay job as far as I've done so far. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's easy to stay away from it, but it also staying away from the drama means you're not you're not aware of things that could actually be real issues. That is um, or at least that was my experience because I would disconnect um, because I would get tired of hearing everything. <laughs> and so I would fully disconnect from the community and then I would – want to start shooting again and realize I have no idea uh, what's going on or who the new creep in the area is because Nashville, Nashville had a lot of them coming and going. <laughs> oh yeah. And I have shot with a few of them too. And still those, some of the ones that are supposed to be creeps, I have had lucky experiences. So I just like, that's the thing. Like I, 
I think it's because I am more open. So before I got into modeling, I obviously was into fetish. I was into kink. So like, I know a lot of girls that don't go right off into nude modeling. Like they start off with fashion and they work their way. So to me, being nude wasn't like a, a big deal. Um, so me neither. I, it wasn't. It wasn't a huge deal mm-hmm. at all for me. Um, that's why I met I met my husband. He worked he did a lot of new modeling and i sought him out like i was like you know what? i'm gonna get him <laughs> um, <laughs> i met him on fat life too <laughs> so um it i found what i wanted eventually i guess if you could say that and, and that was an artistic way of being able to channel um the sexuality i guess it is um and sexuality isn't a bad thing it's a it's a natural thing i mean we are humans after all it's in our dna um as long as you're over 18 years old and it's consensual talking about sex isn't a bad thing um i think people in mainstream media it's always like taboo to talk about sex you know or it's either it, it, it has a negative light um or it always has some type of hush hush um uh, Which I think is the unnatural part of it, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we weren't we weren't supposed to just be hush hush about it. I mean, no. of course, you don't want your neighbors to know about your sex life, but you also don't want to <laughs> suppress it so much that you explode. <laughs> I would say I think my neighbors know about my sex life, <laughs> but that is just because. Um, I, you wander I, around naked a lot. <laughs> and I carry uh, floggers and whips walking up the stairs. And you can't hide those things if you have like 20 of them <laughs> in your hands and they're like walking by you. So, yes, um, I'm, I, I I do not say to me, my, if my neighbors know, I don't care. Um, I, right. I, 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 I don't care. Um, I care. I care if people are being judgmental. And, and and passing shame on saying like oh you shouldn't model you're getting old like I literally have had family members say that no actually take it back she's not a family member she was there when I was born like she was my mom was very homeopathic um, oddly enough and uh, she actually wanted to have me and my sister at home and this was <laughs> Not like she did not want a hospital. Um, she got a midwife and all that kind of stuff. And so this girl was there when my mom had delivered me. So she had seen me grow up um, as, you know, throughout the years. Well, she's probably 15 years older than me. So she's probably in her 30s or 40s now. And she had talked to my dad. My, my father knows, he knows pretty much everything I've done. He knows that I've been in the fetish he, he knows a lot of it so talking about this isn't a big deal but she, he he said something about me or she saw something about me modeling or something like that and he was all like uh or she was like yeah uh isn't she like getting too old for that like oh i'm sorry uh <laughs> um art is only based on on a number of age like you can only be beautiful for a certain amount of time and then after that time you are no longer beautiful that's just how our that's how society raised her up to believe i guess um and i i don't that to me bothers me more than than saying oh she's having sex like i i think that bothers me the most 
um, because they're passing judgment when just you may be more comfortable with clothes on. Cool. I, I'm no problem with that. I'm glad. But just because I, I'm not, I'm not that way. You, I'm not trying to control your body. You shouldn't have to feel like you should control my body. Um, and I feel like it is, it's a form of control. Right. 